0: Again, welcome this morning. Hey, if you're new with us, if you're uh, if you're visiting this morning, I'm so so glad that you took the time and made the effort to be here this morning. I have a couple things that I uh, I, I wanted to bring out this morning, and uh, so just kind of bear with me for a second here. Um, give me just one quick moment as I get this stuff ready. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit maybe a little bit different than what we normally do, um, and I'm I'm really excited about what we're going to do today. I um, have a couple of things out here that are uh, symbolic for me, and I will explain that um, in a minute. It's a part of A story, a story that's deeply personal for my family, and it's a God story, a story that I want to tell you this morning. At the end of the service, um, we're also going to have someone else share a story that's a God story, and it's a deeply personal story. Um, you, You might be thinking, you know, in case Chris gets hungry during the sermon, he has a bag of white powdered sugar donuts right here um that's not what it's for if you've been wondering is Chris the health nut pastor that always talks about dieting and exercise that will probably answer that question for you as well this morning and then you can see over here I wrote six weeks and again I'll explain that in just a minute but before I do that I want us to look at a story together from the word of God Um, This is going to be from Acts 3. If you have a copy of the scriptures and want to start turning there, if you read scriptures on your phone, you can pull that up on your app. We're also going to have it on the screens for you this morning. Um, And this is a a God story, obviously, from the scripture of something phenomenal, something unusual that God was doing in the early church. We've been in a series called Wildfire, and what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Acts. And what we've seen is that the early church was growing like wildfire. The gospel was spreading. And we're seeing a phenomenal move of God. We saw a couple weeks ago Pentecost, right? Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples are told to go and wait in the city. And Jesus says, look, the spirit of God is going to come upon you. And they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're praying for what we think were about 10 days until that day of Pentecost came. And they're in that place, and they hear the sound like a rushing wind. And tongues of fire descend, and they alight on their heads. They begin to speak in other languages that they didn't know yet. Just the Spirit of God just came upon them, right? The breath came in, the gospel goes out, and 3,000 people, receive Christ day one amazing and what we're going to see here today is another story where the gospel is spreading like wildfire let's read this together we're going to start in chapter 3 verse 1 it says now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon a man who was lame from birth was being carried there He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, "'Look at us.' So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, "'I don't have silver or gold, "'but what I do have I give you. "'In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, "'get up and walk.'" Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Verse 11 While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. Verse 14, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murder released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who's been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. And so here we see this incredible moment where uh, healing is taking place in the early church. Right now, we know that the, the ministry of Jesus was marked by healing. It's one of the things that made his ministry so amazing is that everywhere that Jesus went, it says that people would bring all the sick out from the villages and he would pray and he would heal all of them. There's no disease or illness that Jesus was not able to heal. And what's so cool about that is that Jesus reveals God to us. That's what he did, right? At Colossians 2:9, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Meaning, if you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. And so Jesus comes and he is healing all all kinds of people of all kinds of things and revealing the father's heart to us that our God is the God who heals and then we see this other curious thing Matthew 10 Luke 10 uh, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two And he tells them, hey, go ahead of me in all the places I'm about to go. I want you to proclaim the gospel. And then he gave them authority to what? Heal the sick. And so they're going out and they're proclaiming the gospel. They're healing the sick as they went. And I think what Luke, the physician, the one who's writing this book for us, he's telling us something important here. Luke would have been especially capable of seeing, recognizing, and saying, no, this is a real healing, right? As a physician, he's detail-oriented. He knows the body. He would know, okay, this is a healing. And what he's telling us is something that I think a lot of us have asked is, is Jesus still healing? Is Jesus still healing? Right, he he was here and he healed, and we have the stories, and it's awesome. And, and even his disciples healed. But now that he's gone, now that he's ascended, right? Is Jesus still healing? And Luke's saying, "Yes, Jesus is still healing. He's still healing through his disciples." So I just want to I want to point out a couple of things. Like I mean, this is so like it's so obvious. There's nothing profound that I'm gonna share with you this morning, it's so obvious. You're all incredibly intelligent people that caught all of this as I was reading this story, but I just wanna just draw us to the simple, simple things in this passage, okay? So here's the first thing I wanna draw your attention to is that Jesus heals through his disciples, okay? He heals through his disciples. We saw this, right? You saw that. At the beginning of this chapter, Peter and John, they're going up to the temple. This must have been routine for them. 3 p.m., we pray. They're walking up there. It was their custom. And so they're going up to the temple. And sure enough, there's a guy being carried there. He's a paralytic. He's been lame from birth. And then we have this incredible thing that happens in in verse 6 and 7. Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. Jesus heals through his disciples. Now, God is not limited in how he can do things. Amen? Right. He is the Almighty. He can, he can just say the word. He can think the thought. And all of a sudden, something's going to happen, right? Because he has that power. But God invites his disciples into his work. And he heals through them. Now, if you're here today and you say, hey, I am a follower of Jesus. I, I, I'm a disciple. I'm, I'm living in pursuit of him. Here's what I want you to know, that you are not on the sidelines in this thing called healing. That God is still healing through disciples, that Jesus calls us in to be a part of his ministry of healing. He still heals through his disciples. And what we see here is word and touch. Word and touch. Peter looks at him, right, he says, I I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. Be healed in Jesus' name. He gives the word and then he helps him up. We see this throughout Jesus' ministry. He, He would use, he would speak, but he would also touch. He would touch in different ways. Maybe it was making mud out of saliva and dirt and putting on some guy's eyes, right? He did all kinds of different things, but word and touch, we see this pattern in the New Testament of word and touch. I just want to draw your mind to James 5. James, the brother of Jesus, writes this book, and he's talking to the church. He says, is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, word, anointing him with oil, touch in the name of the lord the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the lord will raise him up if he has committed sins he will be forgiven word in touch We see this in what's called the laying on of hands, where when someone's ill and we lay hands on them, it's simply we're gonna pray a prayer, word, and we're gonna lay hands on them, touch, word, and touch, and somehow, miraculously, it's not in us, Jesus heals through his disciples. And he's still healing. So, can God use your words and your touch? If you're following Jesus, yes, God can use your words and your touch. Then we see uh, Peter, he, he kind of, he sees this crowd forming, right? And, and he, he addresses this crowd. Obviously, they're, um, they're stirred up. They're seeing this incredible wonder and in sign. And in verse 12, When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Which it seems like such a a silly question, right? A guy just got healed. He's He's been lame from birth. Why are you amazed at this? But then he qualifies what he's saying. Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? Now, that's important. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Why do you look at us? He goes on later in verse 16. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Here's my second point. Healing comes by faith and not by works. Healing comes by faith and not by works. This has been a theme that we return back to over and over again because our hearts are so religious. That we see it one time, we think, oh, this is the formula. We've got it figured out, right? If, if, if I'm prayed up, if I've done everything perfect this week, if I've never sinned this week before or this day or whatever, and then I've got it all figured out and I've got this godliness down, right? Then all of a sudden now I can be used of God. And that's how we think. But here's the deal. He says, look, why do you stare at us? As, that, as though by our, our own power or godliness, we made this happen. No, no, it was by faith. And my friends, this is the the gospel of Jesus is that it is by faith and not by works. Healing is a mercy and it's a grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. If you speed down the road and the cop sees you and he pulls you over and he's like, why are you speeding? You're gonna say something like, you're gonna maybe make up an excuse, well, I'm late for whatever. The reality is that we just speed, okay? (laughs) And then what if he decides to give you not a ticket? He doesn't give you a ticket, right? That was a mercy. You deserve to get a citation, but he doesn't give it to you. That's mercy. But grace is a little bit different. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. What if he pulls you over and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give you a ticket. In fact, here's a $100 gift card to Target. All right? God bless you today, right? (laughs) That would be grace. Like, you don't deserve that, right? You don't deserve that. And healing is a mercy and it's a grace. It doesn't come to the ones who have it all perfect, it doesn't come to the ones who have, you know, they've, they've started following Jesus and they've done everything right now and everything's in perfect order in their life. It is mercy and it is grace every single time. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. My sin and my brokenness means that I really deserve judgment and I deserve to be kicked out of God's presence, but instead, mercy and grace says, no, 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 no. Come in. Come in, Jesus has literally paid for everything. And we have to be reminded that healing comes by faith and not by works. And here's the cool thing is that, think about this guy. What did he do in the story? What did this lame man do? Nothing. He didn't come thinking, today's my day. I'm believing God for a big miracle, right? He came hoping for a few coins. And into that steps a person of faith. We see throughout the scriptures that the faith required can be the faith of the one praying. The one praying for you who has faith. I believe God can do this. And I'm going to pray that God would heal you. Or it could be the faith of the one being prayed for. Paul, when he was speaking once in in Lystra, he, he sees a man who's intently listening. This man had been lame from birth, and he can see that this man has faith to be healed. That man had faith. And Paul says, be healed in Jesus' name. And that man is healed, right? And then we see it's the faith of those around the person needing healing, There's a famous story of Jesus. He's he's preaching in a place. It's in a house, and it's packed. There's people everywhere, and they can't get in. These guys have carried their friend there on this mat. They can't get in. It's packed. And so what they do is they climb up on the roof, and they they begin to move some tiles around, and they lower the guy down in front of Jesus. And it says that Jesus saw their faith, and he heals the man. But it's always connected to faith and we need to be reminded of that we really need to be reminded that it's by faith and not by works because here's what happens is that probably you've prayed for someone to be healed and they haven't been healed or they haven't been healed immediately and then what do you start doing Either you're thinking, well, I guess God doesn't hear my prayers. Maybe my prayers aren't good enough for God. Maybe there's something in my life. Maybe, maybe I've just got something in my life and, and I, like God can't hear me. There's something blocking my prayers. Or you think, you know, I, I did sin today. Maybe it was my sin. Maybe, maybe my sin hindered God. from. And we start going into self-critical, self-doubt kind of mode. And what we do is we, we have faith language but we have a works operating system. Religion is still working, and we might say it's by faith, the Lord heal you, and yet we immediately turn that word faith into works. And we say, well, if my faith was just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit purer, then maybe then God would have worked. And we make it about us. And here's what I wanna say is that this is not about us. Jesus healed through the disciples, but healing comes through him, not by our own power or godliness. Healing comes by faith. We have to be careful that we don't subtly twist the word faith to mean works. We have to be careful. Um, Let me share a little of our story as a family um when you're planting a church um you know that there are going to be all kinds of attacks that come your way spiritual attacks that scriptures say that clearly that we do not battle against flesh and blood but against powers principalities authorities right so we know that there's spiritual warfare and uh, casey and i knew that going into this that there would be attack Uh, But we didn't know what that was going to look like or where that was going to come from. And so about a year ago, um, as we are preparing to plant this church, um, our middle son stops eating. And I'm not saying like he stopped eating for like a day or a meal or a few meals. He stops eating for six straight weeks. And we begin to just watch him wither away. I mean, he's dropping weight. We bathe him at night and we see that he, his ribs are showing at night. And all he can do is drink water and milk. And that's all he could do. And we'd say, Why aren't you eating? He's like, I feel like there's something in my throat. So we go to the doctors, right? We go to um, Texas Children's. We go to every branch of medicine that might be uh, associated with whatever he's dealing with. We go and we get all the tests run with dyes and x-rays and, and scopes. And we get all the medical stuff done. We're meeting with the head of Texas Children's. And um, he's like, it could be this. And it could be that, it could be this over here. And when the head of the whole department that's treating your child starts saying it could be, it could be, it could be, you're like, we have no clue what we're dealing with here. And so um, obviously Casey and I are praying, we're praying for our son, we're praying over him at night. Um, and then I had a, a friend of mine, the, the director of the Houston Church Planting Network, calls me and he says, look, um, tell us what's happening with your son. And he said, I feel like we need to call the pastors to prayer because we're seeing a lot of spiritual warfare right now against pastors in our network. And so uh, that day, um, I was leading worship for this gathering. And so I wasn't in the, the prayer meeting. I was kind of preparing songs. And in the next room, all these pastors came early to the gathering, and they began to pray over my son and after the the service was was finished i I, you know stepped down from the stage and i had multiple guys say hey we prayed for your son today by name in fact let's pray for him right now and they'd stop and lord lord we pray for and they would pray for him and like literally like i had like five or six pastors stop me as i'm leaving that building and pray for my son and i get home You know, I felt encouraged that they would be praying for my son. I get home, and I sit at the the kitchen table, and I'm telling Casey about what had happened that day, how I'd had all these pastors praying, and they're praying for him by name, and how special that was. As I'm telling her this story, my middle son pulls this out of our pantry, and he begins to eat donuts. Donuts. And he has not stopped eating over the last year. Can we just praise God for what he's done? Mm -hmm. Prayer of God's people brought healing to my son. Six weeks. Every doctor confounded. We don't know what's going on. We never got a diagnosis. We never had a breakthrough moment. We're like, oh, it's this, and all we do is this. We didn't start any medicines. It was simply that our Lord Jesus healed through the prayers of his people. Jesus is still healing through his disciples. I wanna show us one more thing in this passage. In three, verse 19. Paul says to these people who have gathered, he says, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. The seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And what we see here is that as he is as sharing, you know, this gospel thing has happened, right? This guy's been healed. He has a moment to speak the message we see this happen throughout the, the New Testament, that deed and word were always connected. That God does something miraculous. He heals somebody, and all it does is it creates a platform for somebody to stand up on and say, let me tell you about my God, what he does, and what he's like. And he begins to share the gospel. And then we see in chapter 4, verse 4, Many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Just the men, which means there are 10,000 plus believers. So we went from 3,000 not long before this to now 10,000 believers. And here's what we see is that healing propels the gospel. That God has moments that he gives us when he says, this is for real. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, a this is for real moment, where you see God step into your life, into your story, and do something that only God can do. And you're just kind of like, whoa. Like, I believe in you, but now, like, I believe in you. This is for real. And the wildfire spreads a little further, and not only was a man blessed, but thousands of people were blessed as the gospel went forth. Um, We have someone else who's gonna come and share their story for us today, and so uh, I'm excited that we're gonna have this person come. This is my mother-in-law, Pam, and uh, she's gonna be sharing her story, and let me, let me get you set up. Can you all give her a warm welcome this morning? Now, Pam is an avid public speaker. She does this all the time. <laughs> um, she probably kind of hates me for asking her to do this. But um, let's see. Are we good there? Are we working? Awesome. But um, so obviously this is... Uh, because of her being my mother-in-law, I've had a front row seat to see what God has done in her life. And so I just wanted her to share a little bit of her story this morning. So,
1: In May of 2016, I began a journey with cancer and with our Lord and Savior. Not only did the Lord carry me through this difficult time, I believe through the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit, I was healed. Through this journey, I never had any doubt that the lord could heal me completely. I just didn't know if he would. When I received my diagnosis of a myxoid sarco- sarcoma tumor in my right calf, I was on my way to pick up my daughter to attend a Christine Kane event. Christine is an evangelist, author, and international speaker. Christine's focus that night was God's healing power for the sick. Not a coincidence. I believe that this was part of, and the beginning, of God's plan for my healing. I had surgery to remove the tumor in my right calf, but the doctor did not get a clear margin because he thought it was a benign lipoma. I had to have a second surgery to ensure all margins were clear. A large piece of my calf was removed. After my second surgery, I was referred to MD Anderson's sarcoma center downtown. All of the record my records were sent to MD Anderson and the process of scheduling an appointment began. During this process, a scheduling nurse at MD Anderson was reviewing my records to make sure I was placed with the right doctor. I was talking to her on the phone a few weeks later to schedule an appointment when she told me I would be seeing an oncologist orthopedic surgeon because I had some margins still not clear. I already didn't know if the cancer had spread, but now I was faced with a possible third surgery. All I could think of was there was nothing left to remove without a plastic surgeon or worse. On the same day, two hours after I spoke with the nurse, I received a phone call from a Christian lady that I worked with during the school year. It was now the middle of the summer and I hadn't spoke with her since May. She called to tell me that she was driving and had pulled over on the side of the road because she had felt the Lord telling her to call me. I explained to her what was happening and she prayed for me over the phone. She said that her small group would pray for me on Monday night. That same Monday night, my small group also prayed for me. As one lady placed her hands on my leg, she and the others prayed for many things, which included clear margins and healing. On my way home that night, I received an alert from MD Anderson that I had a test posted on my chart. I pulled over so I could read it. It was a pathology report, and it read, All Margins Clear. I immediately began praising God and thanking him for what he had done. Prayers had been answered. I didn't have to have another surgery and because of clear margins, I also didn't need chemo or radiation. A little over a year after all this happened, I had to have surgery on my lungs to have some nodules removed for a biopsy. Numerous nodules had shown up on a CT scan and the doctors believed the cancer had metastasized to my lungs. Again, my family was praying, my friends were praying, and my small group was praying. As I was leaving my small group one night, the same lady that had laid hands on my leg followed me out to my car and placed her hands on my lungs and prayed for healing. I'll never forget the day I received the biopsy report. The pulmonary surgeon at MD Anderson that had performed my surgery walked in and said, I don't get to say this very often. It is not cancer. I immediately began praising and thanking the Lord again for what he had done. I referred back to my journal many times as I was preparing this and came across something I had written after the second surgery on my leg. In my journal, I had written, I'm still believing in a huge miracle ahead. Not only did I believe there was a huge miracle ahead, but God showed himself to me one night in a dream. In this dream, I heard him say, I touched you. The Lord touched me and healed me. That was my huge miracle. I've been cancer free for three years, four months.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, As we close, I I wanna read uh, from Isaiah 53. Isaiah is speaking prophetically about about Jesus. This is verse 4 and 5. He says, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed, because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. I wanna give us just a couple points of application. The First is this. Um, I think that life has a way of kind of putting a lid on our faith. Like we, we go through stuff that's that's hard or difficult, we, we have pain, we have woundedness, we have disappointments and things that just happen and we start to think, God, are you really there? Like are, are you still doing this stuff? I, I hear stories every now and then, right? But are, are you still here with me? And my first point is this, I, I think that this morning I, I hope that this encouraged your faith and my 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 call to you is to take the lid off, to remember how big and strong our God is, that he has the power to do all things. So I wanna encourage you in this, that if there's that, that thing in you that's like, I don't know, that lid on your faith, take it off. In Jesus' name. Second thing, I want us to be a people who pray big, bold, God-sized prayers. That when someone says in our house church or in our family or, or in our workplace, I'm struggling with this illness, sickness, diagnosis, and we step up and say, can I pray for you? That we would be those kind of people that would step up into that moment and pray. Here's a couple Notes on on just how to pray. First, you need to be listening to the spirit of God. He's in you. He dwells in you. He prompts us. I think about Peter and John. They're walking up through their routine, going to the temple at the time they always go, and then they're prompted. Peter was prompted. He sees this guy. And he responds to that prompting, just like Pam's story, her friend pulls over on the side of the road and said, I was prompted to pray for you. We need to listen to the spirit. And here's what I encourage you to pray for. First, pray for glory. Pray for God's glory. Lord, I pray for your glory in this situation, that you would just show your glory here. The second thing, presence. God, I pray for your presence with this person. They would know you're near to them. Third thing, healing. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would heal, that you would do miraculous work in them, that you would bring healing to their body. All right. Glory, presence, healing. It honors God. It honors him when we pray for healing. He's not offended by that. It honors him that we turn to him With our physical illness. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.